Welcome to the Productive Ministry Podcast. We have something special for you this week. My name is Tim. Normally when you listen to this podcast, you hear stories about ministry and interviews from people in the business world. But this week we're bringing you something special. It's a special Christmas episode, if you will. This is kind of an experimental format for us, so we hope that you like it. If things go well, which I feel like they have, we'll probably do more of these. So keep your eye out for that. This week we bring you stories of Christmas in two acts. Act one, a story about trying to make the perfect gift. The story is brought to you by myself. Recently, I've been thinking about the perfect tool. It's not uncommon for me to be thinking about tools at Christmas time. They make easy items to fill up any Christmas list. They're cheaper than tech gadgets, which I already have plenty of. And as a homeowner of just a couple of years, tools are something I've only recently been able to start accumulating in any kind of serious way. You don't really need them or have room for them in apartments, so there you go. But none of that is why I was thinking about the perfect tool. Although it does involve a present. My wife is a big proponent of making gifts for the kids. She enjoys things with character, homemade heart, and completely customized scale. So, leading up to birthdays and Christmas, she'll browse through her Pinterest board of gift ideas, and inevitably we'll have a new project on our hands. And that's the situation this Christmas. One of the presents we're making this year is an activity board for my one-year-old. Maybe you've seen pictures of them, or maybe you haven't. Here's the gist. You attach a bunch of latches, switches, and other fiddly household things onto a board, and you just kind of let them go nuts. Most of the knobs, clasps, and what have you simply screw into from the front. That's easy. 30 minutes into the project, and I've built up this level of confidence that makes me think to myself, I am a handyman. And then I get to the light switch. There was no blueprint for this board. My wife showed me a picture on Pinterest, and then we decided to make one. Some weeks later, we went to the hardware store and we walked through the aisles grabbing anything that looked like it'd be fun. The moment we picked up the light switch, though, I knew it would be trouble. A light switch, for those of you who have never seen, doesn't actually sit flat against the wall. It's installed into a recess, and this is where the wires hook up to the terminals and the toggle mechanism, which is all those little parts that the light switch is doing something with, is hidden. Now, it was even more weeks later that I was standing in a cold garage with a solid piece of wood, a bunch of doodads attached to it in one hand, and a light switch in the other. How was I going to make this work? It wasn't that I didn't understand what I needed to do. You know, make a recess of my own to place the light switch into. That I got. What I had been mulling over for weeks, though... What I was unsure of was, what tools of any that existed could scoop, carve, or otherwise remove a chunk of wood from the middle of 
this thing without just cutting a hole into it. Well, I'll spare you the detailed list of tools that I improperly used while trying to make this light switch happen. In the end, thanks to some clumsy work with a hammer and a chisel, I ended up just cutting a hole or, well, rather, just widening the accidental hole to fit the light switch. When my wife saw it later, she was thrilled at all the progress. But I just sighed. Because, like most of the projects I work on, the end results are full of imperfections that I struggle so hard to unsuccessfully prevent. This is why I've been thinking about the perfect tool. Many times when I take on these projects, there will be a moment when I just don't feel like I have the right tool for what I'm trying to accomplish. And no amount of clamps or sanding or drilling is going to make up for the fact that what I really need in that moment, in order to have avoided the inevitable battle scars of mismatched machinery, was some other piece of equipment. And, having lacked the right tool, the finished product will now forever bear the mark of my having made do. This isn't the only time I've felt this feeling, however. I have often felt this way when I look at some of the ministries I've been in charge of. Of course, those stakes were much higher than making a wooden toy camera or a play kitchen out of a nightstand. And, truth be told, the tools at my disposal sometimes were even more imperfect. And that can make doing ministry feel impossible at times. In ministry, it's incredibly easy to get focused on the things that are lacking. Budgets that don't feel big enough, missing musicians to make the worship band, lack of space, an aging building, volunteers that will please just show up when you say you will. Let's not even think about training. And not to mention a score of other issues that can feel like an anchor just dragging your ministry down. The thing that maybe we don't talk enough about before we go into ministry are all the imperfect tools that will be our only options when it comes time to try and do the work we've been training to do. The minister, the missionary, the volunteer, you know, none of us are able to carry out the mission of the church alone. And so we rely on the only tools we have to get things done. Other broken people. But this is the way God has always done things, right? He's used our weakness to show his strength, our imperfection to move forward with his perfect plan. He even took on the fullness of our humanity in order to leverage his divinity against our sins. You know, in the end, when I finally give my sons their gift, the imperfections don't end up mattering. And... As time has gone on, I try to keep that in mind whenever I hit a sticky point in a project. Likewise, I try to keep things in perspective whenever I find myself in a sticky spot in ministry. In this life, even the new wears away. But in the next life, his perfection has already been accomplished. So, worry not on the markings of mistakes. Don't let the stress of missing tools overrun you and know that love will cover all. Merry Christmas.
now for Act Two, a story of trying to give the perfect gift. The story is brought to you by Rocket. My twin sisters live together. They're single moms, and they spend every day helping each other raise kids and pay bills. Our family was having Thanksgiving dinner at their house, and as usual, I was eating dinner alone in the living room, content to be by myself and listen to my family enjoy each other's company from a distance. Now, don't get me wrong. I wasn't sad about being by myself. The truth is, I feel like I'm a ghost when I'm around them anyway. The younger of my twin sisters comes in and she sits on the red couch that I had been staring at. I looked at her from across the room and I asked, Hey, what should I get my niece and nephew for Christmas? She didn't raise her head. She just stared intently at the floor and politely responded, Brother, you don't have to get them anything. I couldn't see her eyes, so I decided instead to talk to the long brown hair that covered her face. I love you guys. Please let me do this. It was quiet. And I realized that she's not looking at the floor, actually. She's actually hiding her face from me. Unfortunately, I'm used to this. You see, my family never looks at me. Not since I went to college, not since I became a minister. I always feel like a stranger that they're hiding from. I guess to be fair, I am never around. I guess that does make me a stranger. But the truth is that when I am around, they never see me because they won't look at me. Sometimes I wish they would just stare at me, even if it's with disgust or hate. Just look me in the eyes. I wish they could see me. I'm smiling at her with sincerity, waiting for a response. When none comes, I push the issue. Seriously, I'm going to get them something regardless. Don't you think it should be something they want? And then I see her eyes from behind her hair. They emerge like two children who had taken refuge, moving slowly, making sure that it's safe to come out, testing the water. And I don't know why, but this made me very nervous. Somehow I believed that my response to what she said next was really important. So I think to myself, maybe this will be my chance. Maybe if I get the perfect gift, things will stop being so weird between me and my family. Ugh, I hate feeling like this. No matter what comes out of her mouth next, I'm going to make it happen. But then immediately I begin to worry that I'm not going to be able to follow through. What if it costs too much? Oh, what if I can't afford it? Oh, I don't want to disappoint them. I don't know my sister well enough to know what she's going to ask for. She's staring at me. Well, she's staring near me. Her timid eyes were still testing. Really? She says. Really? I think to myself, please don't be expensive. Please don't be expensive. Anything? Anything. Please don't be expensive. Please don't be expensive. Okay. I've been wanting to get them a Christmas tree. I think it would be awesome to have something like that. Before, it didn't really matter because they were so young, there's no way that they could have remembered it. But they're older now. And those are the kind of memories I want them to have. You know, normal Christmas memories with a tree in the house. 
Look, I know it's a lot to ask. I know they can be expensive. I can afford that. Relieved. I say, wow, that sounds awesome. I tell you what, how about I come over next Friday and we'll spend the whole afternoon together. I'll get a tree and everything that we need to decorate it. I'll even buy some cookies and hot chocolate. Let's put some music on and we'll have a Christmas party, huh? How's that for memories? Brother, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much. I think she looked at me. I think she smiled. I spent the next week excited about Friday. I was daydreaming about my sisters being happy. I saw two sweet children running around singing songs, hanging decorations, eating cookies. I mean, it's not every day you get to be a hero. I wanted this to be the best day ever. Not just a good day, I'm talking top 10 happy memories of your life, best day ever. I was thinking about this and I decided that I was going to get a fake tree so that we could make this a tradition. I would get it pre-lit so that we can get to the fun stuff quickly. Plastic bulbs so they wouldn't feel bad about dropping or breaking them. The brightest gold star for the top and the sweetest little tree skirt I could find. Of course, I decided I was also going to get stockings with glitter glue so that we could write our names on it. Hot chocolate, eggnog, sugar cookies, and a gingerbread house, huh? I longed for Friday, the perfect day. I was so excited that I told everyone I knew what was going to happen on Friday. I told them about how my niece and nephew had never had a tree. I told them about decorations. I told them about the cookies and stockings. And I could see the sincere joy they felt for me in their eyes. And it made me happy. Twas the night before Friday, and I didn't sleep a wink. As soon as it was reasonable for me to be up, I started making my list. I went to Big Lots and Walmart and Target. I spent all morning joyously thinking about how fun this was going to be. Thanking God that I could easily afford this. What a simple blessing. I arrived at my sister's and fumbled the few things I could carry from the trunk of my car to their door. Both of them answered. I could tell that they were genuinely happy to see me. We hugged, kisses on the cheek. And from the corner, I hear my niece say this phrase that she's going to repeat many times that day. Ooh, Uncle Rocky, what's that? I kneel down and I hug her. This is a Christmas tree. Do you know what we're going to do today? We're going to decorate it. Does that sound fun? She has no idea what I'm talking about, but she's still very excited. Guys, I need your help getting the rest of the stuff out of my car. My stout little nephew follows me, and he grabs a box of plastic bulbs to carry, followed by my niece and my sisters. We go in and they set up the cookies, eggnog, and hot chocolate in the kitchen. I unpack the tree in the living room, doing my best to explain what all of this is to my curious niece. Soon the radio is turned on, and the Christmas music, ah, it just adds this perfect final touch. I feel so good right now. I can hardly believe that this is me. 
I can hardly believe that I am here doing this with them. I call my sisters back into the living room so that they can help with the tree. Immediately, one sister begins handing out bulbs while the other sits back to observe. Uncle, what's this? I like this. What is it? She says while unconsciously swaying to the music like happy children do. Of course, my less verbal nephew just grunts the same question to me while holding a red Christmas bulb to my face. It's a bulb. We hang them on the tree. That's what we used to decorate. It's what makes the tree look pretty. So I get on my knees and I show her how to hang them on a branch. She hangs five of them in the same place. I love it. My sister is looking at me. She sees me. I don't understand the look on her face, but I'm so happy that she sees me. Subconsciously, I mimic her expression. And immediately, I'm taken back 20 years to my childhood. My body remembers making this face. Time and time again, I made this face. I made this face when people from church brought us food so that we wouldn't starve. I made this face when they gave us clothes so that we wouldn't be naked. I made this face to the lady at the food bank, to the man in the bread line who gave us honey, rice, and cheese. I made this face to teachers who would buy me school supplies. Time and time again, I made this face. I know this face. This face gratitude, dulled by shame. My sister saw me, and I wanted to hide, but my hair wasn't long enough to cover my face, so I just turned my head and stared at the tree. I hated what she saw. I didn't really want to be their hero, after all. I really wanted to be their family. It's not charity if it's from your family. Why are you looking at me like this? Please stop. I consoled myself, deciding to hold on to the gratitude. I had done a good thing after all, and that matters, that counts. She looks at me and says, Brother, thanks for doing this. I mean, things are hard right now, and this is really something we wanted to do for them, but it was out of our reach. Thank you. Listen, I know you were planning to leave at the end of this, but would you stay for lunch? Can we feed you, please? You know, just to show you how much we appreciate this. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be great. She looks to my other sister who is handing out decorations, and they have this exchange that I don't understand until one of them says, We can use the phone money. We'll just pay part of it and arrange to pay out the rest. Good, I'll call Pizza Hut. We have a coupon. I felt horrible. I wasn't a hero. I was the scum of the earth. I wanted to stop them. They ordered the pizza with the same joy that I had when I bought the tree this morning. I wanted my phone to ring. I wanted someone to need me so I could leave. It bothered me that they were giving things up to feed me. I wanted to say, no, I'll buy the pizza. And I almost opened my mouth. But then I saw me. I am Peter, and Jesus kneels in front of me to wash my feet. And I tell him, no, you'll never wash my feet. 
but he looks up at me and he says, if I don't wash your feet, then you don't really belong to me. Oh, that's the difference. That's why I'm a hero and not a brother. If I can't let them love me, then I'm just a stranger with government cheese. I get it. I understand now. I can't be part of them unless they wash my feet. Everything in me wanted to run. Every second reminded me that I hadn't loved them the way that they loved me. They were kings to me, and I wasn't worthy to eat at their table. And yet, they gave all they had so that I could be there. I looked at my sisters with gratitude and shame, and they loved me. I want to thank you for listening to the special Christmas edition of the Productive Ministry Podcast. As I said, this is a experimental format for us. So if you liked it or if you didn't, we invite you to let us know. We also want to invite you to rate and subscribe us on iTunes. Every podcast says this, but it really does help. We also want to thank Ben Sound as well as Explosions in the Sky. Music from them were featured in this episode. This episode was produced by myself. As always, the Productive Ministry Podcast brings you stories of ministry and productivity. Tune in next time when we'll be talking about other productivity-related and ministry-related topics. Until then, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.